Reflections with Canon Philip Gray. Well, welcome everyone to my daily reflection podcast. Uh, this is being pre-recorded to be played on um, Tuesday the 12th of May. And I'm delighted to welcome today uh, to the podcast um, Carmel Romage. Welcome, Carmel. Uh, thank you, Father Philip. Thank you for having me. Carmel, just to begin with, um, just say something about your um, involvement at St Margaret's and how people might know you, uh, particularly worship there. So we've been coming to St Margaret's since we moved to Ilkley 20, 20 years ago. Uh, we have four children who were all very little uh, when we initially started at St Margaret's. When we first moved, we had a five-month-old. She's now nearly 21. Um, so, And then we have three other slightly younger children, the youngest of whom is now 14. And yeah. so we still spend most of our time coming to the family service because that fits in with busy Sundays with lots of sport. Uh, so you tend to find me mostly there on a Sunday um, at the family service. Um, I tend to do coffee. Um, in the past, I've sat on the PCC, uh, well, obviously kind of done other things around the family service with collections and counting and uh, kind of all sorts of other bits like that. Lovely. And um, Carmel, tell us a bit about your, um, your, your professional life. Uh, so I am a consultant gynaecologist at the BRI in Bradford. I've been there since 2003. Initially, I was an obstetrician and gynaecologist, but I gave up obstetrics a few years ago. So now I just uh, concentrate on gynaecology, although obviously the department does both. So I still have some interaction with that. Now, for those of us who are very ignorant, uh, Carmel, explain the difference. Yeah, certainly. So obstetrics is all to do with having babies, basically. So it's all, all right. once you become pregnant, uh, or really actually from about 16, 20 weeks of pregnant to, to having a baby. And gynecology is basically early pregnancy problems and then any other female pelvic problems. Um, okay. And to be slightly more specific, I'm a urogynecologist, which okay. mostly involves dealing with people with waterworks problems. So I spend most of my day dealing with ladies with um, problems with their bladders or problems with um, pelvic organ prolapse. OK. And tell us a little bit about your own background, um, both what led you to um, gynecology and also your own faith background. So I grew up in Northampton. Uh, my parents uh, still live there. Uh, and my brother still lives there as well. Um, I, uh, my parents were both Catholic, both Irish Catholics, so I was brought up as a, as a Catholic. Um, yeah. Though, interestingly, I went to a Church of England school because that was the better school in the area. Um, I then went to university in London and um, carried on going to um, Catholic Church at that point. And then I met Chris, who is now my husband, who, uh, whose background is as a Methodist. <laughs> so, um, so we had to find something that worked for both of us. Um, so when we moved up to Ilkley, we uh, found St. Margaret's. We tried a few different churches, but St. Margaret's was what worked best for us. And I think part of that was the family service, which was running yeah. even 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, Gynecology-wise, kind of, uh, as I said, I went to, to London to university and stayed there for quite a while and then came up at the very end of my training as a, as a quality of life issue. And that was why we moved out of London. We felt yeah. that we needed, uh, we needed the open space. We enjoy walking um, and we really didn't want to be stuck in the middle of London for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be an ideal place to bring four children up, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, 
central. I suspect we wouldn't have had four children if we'd lived. There. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Good. A good point. Yeah. So, uh, tell us a little bit, Carmel. How has life been um, at the BRI over the last couple of months? It's been interesting. So, uh, magic it's always interesting, just interesting in different ways at the moment, I suppose. Yeah. Um, in some ways, there is no change because we carry on caring for patients, in my case, caring for women. Um, yeah. But in some ways, quite a lot of things have changed. Uh, initially, there was kind of real concern that we wouldn't have enough people to be able to do the jobs that we would need to do, that we would lose our junior staff who would have to be looking after COVID patients on the respiratory wards. Mm. Um, And so we had to plan for an awful lot of eventualities which fortunately have not occurred. Uh, So we have not lost any of our staff and indeed we've gained some staff who have been doing research posts or other posts which, um, which are not really currently working very well so they've come back into clinical work. Mm. we've had staff off sick with coronavirus and um, so mm. that's made an impact on what we do um, but we've had to double up a lot of the way in which we work because everything takes a lot longer with all the PPE requirements uh, mm. so um, surgery for example takes a lot longer we're not doing any routine surgery we're only doing mm. emergency surgery uh, and cancer mm. surgery that's all we're doing uh, at the moment but obstetrics for example carries on yeah. yes, so there is no way that you can stop people who are seven or eight months pregnant getting to the end of their pregnancies <laughs> and having their babies um so yeah. so that we've had to kind of really significantly ramp up so that means that those of us doing gynecology have also had to kind of change what we're doing so i'm doing a lot more acute work a lot more emergency work um and a lot less uh, you know my routine operating for example yeah and, and has most of that work essentially stopped then because of the crisis, uh, Carmel? So it varies a little bit. So um, yeah. because of what we do, some things have to carry on because we do spend a lot of time um, doing investigations for women who might potentially have cancers. So yeah. those have to go on. Um, and we are carrying on with a lot of our routine follow-up cases, but doing a lot of them by telephone, much like the GPs are. So I spend um, kind of a couple of mornings a week ringing my patients and and chatting to them over the phone, which is quite interesting. It's a very different way of doing things. And some people are very curt and want to get to the point and some people want to (laughs) chat. So it's, mind you, I suppose in some ways clinic is like that quite frequently as well. Yeah. But you've been doing that over the telephone rather than using, you know, Zoom or something similar. We have. Uh, Telephones are easy. Uh, By and large, it works very well. Some of the specialties within the, within the hospital have been using um, Teams or Zoom uh, for, for a variety of different things. And I have to say, I have used them for meetings. Some of my other roles are kind of educational type roles. So, so that yeah. for those, I have been using Teams or Zoom. Yeah. And uh, how have you seen the crisis itself impact more widely on the hospital? So it's very quiet as you walk down the corridor right. because there are no yeah. visitors. Yeah. So that's made a big impact on the number of people just generally walking around. Um, yeah. We've closed some of the wards. So actually our gynecology ward has been closed and we have been, we're sleeping out, if you like, on, on one of the surgical wards at the moment. Uh, right, and yeah. that's kind of made things quite interesting for us. But it does make, it's given us the opportunity to try a few things that we wouldn't potentially have been able to try otherwise. 
Right. And some of those have yeah. worked and some of those haven't. So some of those will carry on with once this situation is over with. Um, mm. For other parts of the hospital, uh, again, as I said, they've closed some of the wards and redeployed some of the staff. And that's both nursing and medical staff, which, again, has improved the staffing on some of the wards. And that's actually made some of them, you know, really pleasant places to work. People are getting good, uh, very good care. They're getting uh, the trainees are getting very good educational opportunities. They're getting really good support from the, the senior uh, trainees and the consultants. So there's a really yeah. kind of positive atmosphere. There's a really... Um, hopeful atmosphere as well actually within the hospital we it hasn't been as bad as we thought it was going to be we normally run one intensive care unit we actually ramped up so that we could run four and we've only needed to open two so so i think everybody feels almost we've been slightly let off the hook or you know whatever's happened you know with people following the lockdown advice etc we haven't had Mm. The, the massive tsunami of cases that we thought we might get. Yeah. And there's been some serious concerns about the way in which the virus has affected the you know, BAME community. And clearly that must be a significant part of you know, your work in Bradford. Have, have you seen that either with staff or patients? I suppose you see it more with staff maybe. Uh, interestingly, we haven't seen that either with or within patients um, in Bradford. I mean, the the numbers are low. If you look at the numbers in London, for example, you know, we've had nothing like that number of people coming through uh, with with COVID-19. So so it's it's a small cohort. So it's it's more difficult to say. But by and large, our admissions reflect our population. So it's only the 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 numbers in the population that have been you know, it's about a third Asian minority in, in, in Bradford, and that's about what we get yeah. admitted to the hospital, and our deaths are very small. Right. Okay, so that's interesting. So I suppose it's a smaller sample, so one has to be careful extrapolating things from it. But it's interesting that you've not seen it, because I think certainly in the conversations I've been involved with, there would have been some concern about this. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So, well, that's in, in many senses reassuring. Do you think this is going to change things radically for you moving forward? Um, you know, in the way, in, you know, you mentioned ways in which you're operating. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, that in the broadest sense, not not surgical. Yeah. Yes, I think it will do. Um, I think it will change medicine quite considerably. I mean, some of these things we were moving toward, we were setting up tele- telephone clinics. A couple of our colleagues were using it as a, as a default for their follow-ups, but not universally yeah. across the board i mean it's not without its problems um we've already mentioned the the, the significant uh, asian minority that we've got within bradford and some of them still need interpreters and that's a tricky one yeah. to do over the phone um because i've even yeah. interpreters sitting with you or you're using a, a, a kind of three-way um, conversation with a, an interpreting service and that that's all a bit tricky so some of those are not so easy to to continue with um, and there are some yeah. some aspects of what we do that we've just deferred and we have concerns about uh, what may happen to some of these patients in the future. So some things we have to go back to doing face to face, but certainly kind of some of the non face to face stuff we will continue to use. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Carmel, probably a slightly more tricky question. How do you feel that your um, calling as a Christian um, affects the way that you you fulfill your 
profession your your calling, if you like? I think it probably kind of impacts upon the way in which I feel about other people. Um, I think kind of that yeah. acceptance of other people and their differences is perhaps easier with a, a Christian background. Um, I think mm. the the wish to help people is probably also a very Christian belief. Uh, and and I, I think that yeah. may well be why I am where I am. Uh, I, th- I think I think it is all it's all so intertwined. It, I guess kind of my faith has always been important to me. And I started medicine in 1986. So that's been part of my life for a very long period of time as well. And I think the two have grown up and intertwined completely. I, I, I couldn't separate them, I don't think. Good, good. So um, how do you relax, Carmel? Uh, well, I already mentioned we, we like to walk. So, so I've been taking yeah. advantage of my daily walking allowance um, the last few weeks. <laughs> um, and I'm brown as a berry because I've been out all, in all sorts of uh, weathers and uh, with kind of shorts on and T-shirts, etc. So, so that's what we do a lot of the time. Um, and, and we have a lot of fun at home. So we, we still play quite a lot of board games. Um, we tend to try and find mm-hmm. series on televisions that we can on television that we can watch together uh, and yeah we can yeah. we are a family that that stay together and kind of play together if you like and we've divided yeah. a couple of funny things and so um so on friday nights we're having theme nights so we wander around the world so we've been to we have food and drink from mexico germany japan australia uh, spain italy yeah so we're kind of trying a variety of different things and, and who's the who's the chef for all these, or does that does that pass around? Uh, it varies. So last the last one that we had was Spanish night. Uh, so Spanish night involved right. four of us doing a variety of different things because we did tapas. So there were a lot of different dishes to, to put together. And everybody has a go, actually. To be fair, kind of they everybody will have a cook, have a go at cooking. And often when I'm working during the week, in particular, we try and get the children to to do some of the cooking. Yeah. Just tell us a bit about the four children and, and what stages that they're at. Uh, so Rasheen is the eldest. She's 20 and she would normally be at Birmingham University studying Spanish and Portuguese. But she's at home at the moment. Um, mm. She is yeah. uh, at the end of her second year. So she's due to go off to Spain, to Madrid in the summer for four months. And then she's due to go to Brazil after Christmas. So I'm not quite sure. Well, none of us can be sure, can we? Um, whether that will happen or not at the moment. Uh, no. No, no, that yeah, so that's all a bit uncertain yeah. for her, but we just have to wait and see see what happens. Um, she's, yeah. a, she's a rugby player, which is a little bit unusual. So she goes to the University of Birmingham. So she's uh, she's quite a strong lass. So, uh, but people, yeah. you know, people at St Margaret's might recognise her because she's got very very white blonde hair, kind of long white blonde hair. So she's quite distinctive. Mm. Um. She, she was she was um, a field athlete she as was, well, wasn't yes, she? Yeah, before she started playing, she was yeah. um, she's quite a good sprinter, but also a good shot putter, which I think is probably why the, the appeal to her because it's yeah. both speed and and obviously strength as well. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Alexander, who is in his first year at Durham doing anthropology, um, but again, he's obviously back at the moment right. so he's he's enjoying that what he doesn't know about bonobo apes isn't worth knowing so uh, <laughs> he's really enjoyed these. and of course he's in the same 
He's at the same college he as is, Rebecca. That's right. So it was very nice. We took him up the first yeah. day to have Rebecca appearing and kind of taking us around and up to his yeah. room. That was. Uh, it's always nice to see a familiar face when everything's uncertain, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Caitlin, who is 15, uh, and Fergus, who's 14, and they're both still at school. They both go to Bradford Grammar. Um, they're they're very different. But very yeah. good together. So Caitlin is very arty. She enjoys art, DT, but she's also kind of uh, into English history, etc. So uh, kind of quite different in some ways from from Alexander, who did all science A levels. Um, and then Fergus really is interested in anything with a ball. Yeah. So football, rugby, rug, both rugby union and rugby league, cricket, kind of anything that he can be playing normally. So he's you know struggling a little bit with the lack of physical activity at the moment. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the lack of lack of any of that um, live on the telly, I would yes, imagine. Yes, yeah, as well. that's true. Although you can restream all sorts of different games from different years, so uh, so there's no no lack of yeah. old sport that you can watch if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to prepare all four of them at different stages for confirmation. Um, and uh, now, tell us a bit about Chris. <laughs> Where do we start? <laughs> Uh, so Chris and I've been married for 22 years. Um, he is a lawyer in Leeds. He does banking and finance work. Uh, he has been working from home for the last six weeks or whatever it's been now, six, seven weeks. Um, and in some ways he's been finding that quite hard, but he's been the absolute linchpin of the family because yeah. he's the one that's here all of the time. So it's been yes. brilliant for me to have him here and be the steady person when I'm kind of in and out and and really the division between my home life and my work life is more stark than usual at the moment so because everybody else is so at home yeah. and I'm you know kind of literally just turning one off and moving to the other so it's been great to have so he yeah. did make a comment about being fed up of seeing the inside of booths so because he's doing all the shopping and everything <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and of course I know Chris well through um particularly through the cricket uh, and the other optimist. So it's been a real joy to get to know him there. Uh, and we, we tease one another mercilessly, <laughs> yes, really. Yes, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's, good at, he, he's good at giving it out, so I've always made sure that he's good at taking <laughs> it as well. <laughs> but you're missing your Christmas season, of course. I said you're miss Sorry, missing your, Christmas, your, your cricket season, of course, at the moment. We are, yeah. We should be just coming out of our hibernation, really, now and getting going. Uh, we normally the first fixture of the season would have happened uh, probably last Monday, or maybe this year would have happened mm. yesterday. So we're um, we really are pining for it, and uh, I think there'll be quite a few other optimists piling on the pounds at the moment. Really, <laughs> cricket being such an active sport. <laughs> yeah, cricket being such an active. Well, it is for it is for chaps of our age. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah, um, Carmel. What what um, what's been most difficult about this present time uh, for you? I think the uncertainty, because we nobody really knows from day to day what's going to happen, and we were very concerned, as I mentioned, that no. we would have an awful lot of cases at the BRI, and impatience potentially might be very no. sick because of other comorbidities, which, as I'm sure you know, is is one of the reasons why people do get sick and die so so we were very concerned yeah. about that so and feeling that we were going to lose our staff but still have to provide a service so I think we were all a bit worried about that 
But in actual fact, things have not been yeah. as bad as they might be, whether that's everybody's prayers coming into yeah. you know, fruition and, and, and you know, all the help that we're getting yeah, from yeah. that point of view. I, I don't know. But we've had not had any problems with PPE. We've not had any problems with staffing. Um, so yes. actually, as I've said already, things have not been as bad as we thought they might be. No, no I can, uh, yeah, I can really relate to that. And and in many ways for us moving forward as a church, uh, th this uncertainty, I think, will continue. You know, if at the moment, we're not able to access our buildings at all. Um, the, the, the picture is unclear and... and, and some clergy are beginning to access their buildings mm. to live stream worship. But mm. certainly in this dance at the moment, um, Bishop Nick has been very clear with us that we're not to do it. Um, but clearly a huge amount of uncertainty lies ahead for us uh, in terms of how we can use the building and then the whole thing of being in what form we'll be able to meet together uh, and, and physically worship together. Um, and uh, I mean, as, as I've said in my correspondence this week, um, you know, it, it's perfectly possible that we might, you know, make a step or two forwards and then have to make a step or two backwards in this, uh, depending on what the second, you know, if there is a second wave, what it might look like. So, and and of course, as you'll be aware, Carmel, I mean, the the congregation, the family service is is you know, relatively young and broad, but at some of our services, our congregations are really quite elderly. Uh, so, of course, they will be perceived to be more vulnerable to this virus too. So I think you're absolutely right and, and about uncertainty. And I think for us as a church, that uncertainty is probably going to remain for for quite some time. Um, I, I think you're right. And I, yeah. think, I think we've all well, missed so much kind of that camaraderie that you know the, the community that we have at church I think we've all missed that yeah. routine as well of going to church on a Sunday and and being part of that community and I, I think it will be you know, potentially a while before we all get back together again so having a focus point having kind of these podcasts yes. and having being able to look at the streams of the services you know at least it gives us something to keep on with in the meantime yeah well obviously that's certainly certainly my hope uh i've been asked by bishop turby to reflect uh, for a meeting coming up on what the experience has been like particularly of celebrating the eucharist um you know from the chapel here and of course one is acutely aware that people certainly can't physically participate they can't receive holy communion um, and yet it's been interesting receiving feedback from people about um, they feel that they're able to concentrate more uh, because there are less distractions than being in the church, which, which, which is an unexpected but interesting observation. Um, so maybe as a church, too, we're going to learn new things through this experience. Um, Maybe I need to think about how we can create less distractions. <laughs> oh, but I think I think that's actually probably just people being in their own homes and being used to everything that's around them. So and 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 not having other people yeah. around them. I have to say, I think the family service there are probably more distractions yeah. at home than there are in church because the kids around do what they want yeah, to much more. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, that's true. Carmel, can I finish by just uh, praying? Okay, thank you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Carmel and for her 
worker ministry, particularly at the uh, Bradford Royal Infirmary and for all those women who she helps and supports uh, in times of trial and difficulty. We give thanks for her family and for their vitality and joy and for their place within the life of St Margaret's Church. We pray that God will bless the work of the BRI and its service to all in its community and ours. And we pray particularly for those who are being treated there presently with COVID-19 and those staff who take particular risks to care for them. We pray for our church and we pray that God will give us a sense of his path, his way, for us to emerge from this crisis and in the meantime to give us hope and trust and faith in his presence with us, in his church and also in our homes. So may Almighty God bless you, Carmel, Chris and your family and may he bless us all today and always. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Daily Reflection Podcast. If you would like to listen to more episodes, they will be available on your usual podcast platform. Alternatively, all the podcasts and live streams, uh, services and reflections can be found on the St. Margaret's Ilkley website, stmargaretsilkley.org.